The Big Light presents Hello, I'm Sean McDonald. You're listening to Blethered, and this is a classic episode with Scottish football legend Rose Riley. Rose was born in Stewarton in Ayrshire and went on to have an incredible and unparalleled career in women's professional football. Rose tells me about playing for AC Milan in Napoli and winning the World Cup with Italy. We talk about being unceremoniously banned for life without explanation by the SFA and then being the first ever woman inducted into the Scottish Football Hall of Fame alongside giants of the game such as Sir Alex Ferguson, Hernick Larson, Jock Steen and John Gregg. And you'll hear about how Rose fought back for the brink of death to go on and be named World Player of the Year. This episode with Rose is brought to you by debt experts Don't Fret About Debt. If you're struggling with debt and you would like a free chat with an impartial advisor to discuss your options or to see how you can lower your monthly payments towards debt, then visit don'tfretaboutdebt.net forward slash blethered. You can also listen to my episode with Don't Fret About Debt Senior Debt Advisor Tommy Gallagher where we discuss taking back control of your debt and the various solutions available. Don't Fret About Debt offer all statutory debt solutions in Scotland helping you make an informed choice that's best for you. So take the first step in dealing with your debt today. Free debt advice is also available from the Money Advice Service. If you enjoy this episode and this chat with us then feel free to share it because it's a great help. Cheers. Today on Blethered, it is the greatest footballer that Celtic never had, Rose Riley. Welcome, how are you? Thank you, Sean. Uh, thank, thank you for the description. Imagine that. Too much to live up to, pal. I know, I'm I know. actually quite fine and I see that you're good as well. I am very good. So, with this story, people may or may not be aware of your life story and we'll go through the details of what happened, but what I really want to talk about, I always say that... The most interesting stories in between the lines of what you actually see. It's maybe the intangible. That's what I kind of want to discuss. But mm-hmm. if we can give people an overview, let's talk about early life, sort of where you came from and what life was like growing up for you. Right, early life. I was born in Stewarton, a wee village in Ayrshire near Kilmarnock. Um, first memory wasn't actually a memory. My mum told me about it. I was three years of age and I wandered away from the family home. And um, they got me about a couple of yards uh, away from the house but it was round corners and everything I didn't know where I was going but they got me at the local football pitch <laughs> so I was already uh, on the road uh, to my football career um, earliest memory is about five or six getting uh, I'd made out my list for Santa and the first thing I wanted was a football woke up on Christmas morning and I got a doll and I was absolutely devastated but then I went out and swapped it for a football and I always wonder who the wee guy is that wanted the doll I was just and about I to think, ask good on you pal but anyway I got my football and uh, I slept with it for two reasons first because I loved it and second I was afraid my mum would take it off me Right, was she not particularly encouraging at that Absolutely juncture? not, we are talking about the uh, I don't know, the, the, the 50s mm-hmm. right uh, so uh, there was no women's football, obviously, um, and it wasn't it wasn't seen to be proper that a wee girl uh, uh, played football. Was there no? So th- was there any teams or anything at that point? Because I know you 
approached somebody to ask to speak, or to ask to play with them, and they right. I've never approached any in my life. Really? No, I wouldn't do that. I played at football at the local football park, and I played with the boys. Right. And uh, the the football manager, the football coach, or whatever you want to call it. In our days, a coach was a bus. Actually, it was a posh bus that you went your holidays. <laughs> uh, anyway, the football manager said to me, "Will you play with the Stuart and United, the boys team?" Hmm. And I said, "I of course I would. That'd be great." He said, uh, "Well, you need to go. Uh, you, you need a short back and sides." <laughs> so I go to the local barbers, get a short back and sides, and I said, "My mum will come with the money." And my mum went. To, I mean, nearly killed him. She nearly killed me and the barber together. But anyway, it was this wee boy now. And uh, the manager says, you'll need to get your strip. Uh, you'll need to get changed at home because I couldn't get in the dressing rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you'll need to change your name from Rose to Ross. So that was fine. So one particular game, I was in fire and I scored about eight goals. And there was a Celtic scout there. <laughs> Must have been about eight, nine year old. And uh, the Celtic scout says, I'm, I'm going to sign the wee number seven right away. Uh, the the manager says, no, it's a wee lassie. He says, no, no, the one that's got the eight goals is, is a wee lassie. So I got introduced to him. And I was gutted. I couldn't play for Celtic. I thought if I was good enough, why not? I uh, know. As a wee kid, you're not really going to understand that. No, no, like, you don't. That's a shame. So you were almost, you could have been lining up. What, what year would that have been? Um... That's not you ask me what year, I don't know, Just, what year it's it's be, be early 60s. Well, aye, you don't need to tell me that, I was going to say, tell me who aye, would have been. Aye, for my teammates. Aye, aye who would have been uh, your teammates? Well, it'd be Jinky, like Jinky, Billy McNeil, aye. Bobby Murdoch, Bertie Aye, Old. because I followed Celtic, um, I got a paper round so as I could actually uh, go to Parkhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd always pick Celtic as, as my team, and... Um, I decided that, well, I had got a paper round, I was putting some of the money away so as I could go to Glasgow and see Celtic, and... Um, I didn't tell anybody, so I just got the bus up to Glasgow. I didn't know where I was going. <laughs> got staff at the, uh, the, the the bus the terminus and uh, just followed all the guys that had done their Celtic scarf. <laughs> there weren't any women. So I just walked to Parkhead and uh, got a lift hour, mister. My wee boy got a lift hour and I was right in the middle of, <laughs> right down the front of the jungle. And uh, uh, what, what an experience. And then wee Jimmy Johnson comes out and... Of course, I could I, I could nearly touch him, uh-huh. and uh, my first memory was him uh, dribbling everybody instead of shooting to come back. Did it again? To take the piss out of them. <laughs> did it again and Jockstein calling him all the wee swines of the day because he wasn't shooting. And I remember that the majestic Billy McNeil going up for the headers and we Bertie old snarling at everybody's ankles. I mean, it was just amazing. Aye. And uh, when I was a wee bit older, uh, I went to Ibrox as well because when Celtic weren't playing at home, I go to Ibrox. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems strange for a Celtic supporter, but most uh, I was really a football. I was a, a football supporter, mm-hmm. and I seen Jim Baxter, Willie Henderson, John Gregg. So for me, it was all about the football. Fantastic. Probably, I'd imagine, as you say, as a wee three-year-old, you get found at the pitch. So there's this something within you that makes you want to go. But then you're going to watch it. It must help you then visualise it or realise even more. That's what you wanted to do, but. There didn't seem to be any avenue at that point, or there was no avenue for you to pursue that. So how how did that feel, sort of in your mind, where you can you can almost touch uh-huh. what you want to yeah. get to, but there seems to be no path to that. Well, I didn't think anything. I just had a. It wasn't so much a dream. I think I had a mission in life. I was going to be a professional footballer, mm-hmm. so I didn't dwell in anything. I didn't think, oh, it's a shame they're not women's team, they're not this, that, the next thing. So that wasn't part of my. That would take some energy away from me. So I wasn't thinking mm-hmm. about that. But um, when I was about seven years of age, there was a, the Stuart and Ladies uh, started up a team uh, run by uh, my friend Elsie Cook. It was the local factories um, all over Scotland, they had a ladies team. Mm. It was more for charity events and it right. was 
women that played at netball or whatever, and they'd formed the, the women's team. Um, they didn't have any training or anything. They, they, they just formed a team like for charity events. And I went uh, one particular day, somebody said that ladies have started a team. So I went to see them. But I was only seven year old and these were grown women. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, hey, missus, can I get a game? And she says, no, you're a wee boy. I <laughs> says, I'm a wee lassie. It's already gender issues, Zayn. I was a wee boy. For the, the, I was a wee lassie pretending to be a wee boy for the boys' team. Then when I went to go to the ladies' team, they says I was a wee boy. So I wasn't, care, I wasn't caring about my gender. I just wanted to play <laughs> it. That would have been anything. So she said, come back in a couple of years' time. So I did a thing with it up, signed it up my calendar. In two years and half a second later, I was in the team and I was mm-hmm. nine years of age uh, playing with grown women. That's unbelievable. I know. I've watched clips of you playing and we'll get to this further but what I noticed distinctly and I was saying this to my pal earlier Mm. so if you watch men's football from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s and 90s you can always distinguish which time period because players move in a certain way Uh technique seems to be a certain way and the game's played a certain way Uh but when I was watching the clips of you playing in Italy Uh the biggest compliment I could give is to me you look like a modern day player from now and there are physical differences between when you watch the men's game and the uh-huh. women's game because uh-huh. that, that's just how it is but I felt as if I was watching a man playing from today's era and and that's a very complimentary thing oh, the way you, mo- you the way you moved uh-huh. when you received the ball uh-huh. your technique passing mm-hmm. your technique dribbling shooting that sort of force with which you shot I watched and I was like fucking hell right. what a player that's great wasn't so- you get in touch with Shelley <laughs> Shelley I'm I getting know, my boots polished you. again get, we get, well are you still banned <laughs> we'll come to that uh, so you've it's, it's, you just developed just continuously playing and then talk me through was it Mr Shivas that you went to the Daily Record yeah um, uh, while I was playing at football I was also an athlete um, uh, I trained at the local always the local football park mm-hmm. there was a wee sand pit for a long jump and all this we just made up stuff but my, my coach there Kenny Phillips he was fantastic with me he taught me um, the shot putt and everything because he, he said you're an all-rounder all day the pentathlon mm-hmm. um, so when I was about 16 I was in the short list for the Commonwealth Games uh, so I had to do a week's training session up in St Andrews uh, with, with uh, the Scotland team mm-hmm. But when I arrived there, I didn't have anything. I didn't have, like, I had a wee pair of sannies. I didn't have a trackie. I didn't have anything. It was all kind of posh girls that were there from mm-hmm. the, the, the private schools. Because in that days, that's what it was like. And they were just going to look at me as if to say, who's this? And I always remember the first time we wrote trial law for the 400 metres. And this girl says to me, now, Rose, perhaps you didn't hear what the, the coach said. You have to go slow at the start. So me, bit. the country bumpkin, went slow at the start. <laughs> and I realised we're taking the piss. So I changed gear and off I went and beat a lot of them. And then she says to me, in what weight is your putt at home? What, what weight are you doing the short putt? I said, I don't know. I've just got a rock. It was a brick I had. <laughs> and she just locked at me as I said, Jesus. And anyway, I did the shot putt and it went flying because obviously my rock was much heavier mm-hmm. than the shot putt. So I got picked for the, the short list for the Commonwealth Games. But the, the coach then, it was a John Anderson, said, you need to stop playing at football, Rosie. You're developing too much uh, thigh muscle, mm. like football legs as I call them. And it's not good for athletics. So I stopped for a week playing football for the first time in my life. And of course, my mum and dad were delighted because I had a, a career in athletics mm-hmm. and there was nothing in the horizon in football. And after a week of not kicking the ball, I was devastated and I chose football over athletics. Mm-hmm. Stopped athletics, the Commonwealth game plays everything to choose uh, choose my beloved football where mm-hmm. there was no future. That's when I had to get my act together because... 
I could see my mum and dad. I think my mum was crying because she didn't know what to do with me. Uh, basically, uh, I'd get expelled for school because I was always away playing football. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was fine. For me, that was fine. But it, obviously, it wasn't for them. Was there like a... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make a comparison from the era. Was mm. there like a societal thing where your mum felt embarrassed because it wasn't the no, dumb thing? No, no, My mother would never have been embarrassed in her life. Mm. Absolutely not. She would just think and try to put, put me on a pathway for my right, future. Right, okay, aye. So, no, she, there, my there was would, no pathway. You, obviously, yeah, you had to forge your own, but she's not going to be able to foresee that, is she? No, no, absolutely not. And I always remember I got a job. And then I had to get a job because... Um, uh, what was my future kind of thing mm-hmm. so I got the job it, it was a carpet factory in Kilmarnock it was called the BMK so I arrived there I used to walk for the, the, the bus station it's about a mile and a half to get to this factory job which I hated by passion And but on the, the way there when I was walking there I, I was always dreaming I was going to be a professional footballer mm-hmm. and by the time I got to the factory I hadn't realised I'd walked one and a half because I'd already been abroad I, I was already playing at football Real Madrid, whatever, uh-huh. my, my, my dreams were already started. And when I started working in this factory, the guys uh, knew about me and they said, well, you play with the team, we play at lunchtime. I said, that's great. And they had on big bits, big steel toe-cap boots, so I had to be fleet and uh, get away for their tackles. They just treated me like a guy, like uh-huh. elbows in the face and everything. Uh, but I honed my skills with the guy there, and the, black, uh, the guys in a black ash pitch. So there was one particular day, there was another team waiting to go on after us, and it was the Johnny Walkers, the, big fact, the biggest factory in command, it was the Johnny Walkers Whiskey Factory. So they were uh, they had better players, they, they, they had everything, Johnny uh-huh. Walkers, and uh, they were waiting to come on. They said, will you play with us? And I said, aye. So I never went back to my work. <laughs> so then I get the sack, and I go home the next day, I said, God, what am I going to tell my mammy? Uh, mammy, I get my boots for BMK. What have you been up to? She said, well, I said, well, Johnny Walker's asked me to play for them as if it was bloody Real Madrid. Incredulous, that what I'm going to say. Shut up, I was playing for Johnny Walker's. <laughs> so that was me in the bad books once again. And that's when I thought, I need to get my act together here, get my act together. I didn't know what to do. We didn't have a television, we're at home and whatever. But um, I would I, um, kneel at my dad's feet and read the back pages, mm-hmm. Daily Record, Evening Times, that was his papers. And I would see there were reports about like Real Madrid, that was my team. I always picked Celtic, Real Madrid and AC Milan. Nothing but the best for me, right? And I was just away at the mm-hmm. time. So I thought, I read that the, the newspaper reporters, a particular, uh, it was reporting on was Stan Shivers from the Daily Record. Mm-hmm. I said, right, I'll need to get a hold of him. So I didn't know what to do. So I went up to the, the Daily Record offices, off I went. Didn't tell anybody. And uh, the secretary says, could I help you? I said, could I speak to Stan Shivers? She said, an appointment? I said, yes. Which I didn't. I'd never seen like him in my that. life. So she lets me in at the office and he's that sophisticated, sophisticated, excuse me, um, sitting there with cigar and whatever, <laughs> uh, just looking up. And he said, uh, could I help you? And I said, yes, I want to be a professional footballer. And he said, sit down. And that's the start of it. That's it. few things there. I've, I've heard you speaking about training with the ball done I also heard you saying that you had to take a penalty and it was a really heavy ball yeah. and a muddy pitch Aye. and it didn't move uh-huh. and the kind of point I take for that is that you've practised <laughs> you, you've made things tougher for yourself yeah. in order for the fact that when you then drop back down it's a great metaphor that when people come up against tough conditions or, or setbacks because there's a few setbacks yeah. we discuss if you persevere through them you're then either going to become a lot wiser. You know, life isn't easy. Life's not always no, going to be, no. you know, a walk in the park. No. And it's so challenges. In retrospect, looking back, the challenges are what made you. So then another challenge that comes is 
to be embraced in a way. Well, the the, the fact going back to the football, I'd started playing with the the, the ladies team when, uh, when I was only nine, and it was the the big heavy leather balls with a bladder in it and the lace. Mm. And uh, so I was taking the penalty and it didn't budge. Well, it just budged a wee bit. And I was raging at myself. Mm -hmm. So I stayed behind after, asked for a loan of the ball, and I just kicked it, kicked it, kicked it, kicked it until uh, I succeeded. But I can think we spin our legs and all that, you know. Aye. Um, That's just then, even with the shot put, you're training with the boulder. When it comes to going back down to not quote-unquote normal conditions yeah. you're absolutely flying because you know you've been up against it tougher than anybody else it's um it is a it doesn't always work out this way it doesn't always sort of compute this way but if things aren't going your way you're getting setbacks or challenges then it will benefit you if you if you push through as you've kind of proved uh the visualization and gone there in the mind that's yeah. some very early new age stuff you're visualizing yeah. ac milan and then well that that's strange that you're saying that sean because um when i, I signed for ac milan mm-hmm. we were playing at san zero wow right so i came from Stranhead park in stewarton uh red ash i'm still um picking a wee bits of glass out my knees <laughs> goes to the san zero um whatever girls were in the dressing room whatever i, I was doing the tunnel to embrace the majestic stadium mm. that is the San Siro. For me, it's always the best stadium in the world. Not because I played in it, but just the whole atmosphere thing. So then I went from one goal post to the other and I said, I'm going to score here inside myself mm-hmm. and I'm going to score there. In the midfield, I'm going to get the ball here. I was uh, uh, exactly, I was already playing the game in my mind before mm-hmm. it even happened. And then I thought to myself, you know, this Rose, there's only two goal, pace, goal posts there. The same as Stranhead Park and Stuart. And I walked Aye. off and that was me. Aye. If you go there in the mind first, then you will go Aye. in the body. Yeah, yeah. But I, I've noticed, Sean, that I have to... I don't talk to anybody. I isolate myself. I've never ever... like I, I would never have told anybody that I did that. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you tell somebody... Think, it, it, if you tell somebody you're going to do things, mm-hmm. you usually don't do it because in your mind... You've already told yourself yeah, you've done right, it, or you're going to do it. So I don't tell anybody anything. Never ever have, like my playing career or whatever. Um, so that's what I did. That this all sound a wee bit hocus pocus or airy fairy for me, but I've got a belief that everybody's born with like a dream or an aspiration in your heart. It might be multiple. It might be one. You know, if you hear, how is a, a five year old? Do you know you want to be a professional footballer? Yeah. Because you don't know anything about football mm. other than it's a game or if you hear somebody say at seven I want to be a vet you yeah. don't know what being a vet entails but mm. you know you want to be it yeah. and it's just you've kind of done everything instinctively yeah. you've visualised these things as well instinctively went right well I'll just need to get a hold of this guy Stan Shivers I'll mm. need to just go and do this and it's then I feel if you follow your intuition then it's almost being true to the aspiration that you've got um, and it kind of seems like that's what you've done going through I would quite like to talk to me about a detail, but I can also want to look at these, as I say, these intangible things, perseverance, persistence, refusal to budge, um, setting targets for yourself. But you've went and met Stan. Now he's told you to sit down. Yeah. Uh, what What did he say? What did he say? He said um, he started writing down and he said, what age are you? And I was barely 17, like 16 and a half, nearly 17. And he said, hey, you know, got a, a friend that could go with you. And... Uh, my friend was uh, one of the best footballers that Scotland has ever produced, technically. Mm-hmm. Let's say a female, Jimmy Johnson, a wee red-headed lassie for Glasgow, Edna <laughs> Nealis. And Edna was as wide as a Clyde, where I was a wee 
country bumpkin. She was <laughs> a wee bit older than me. And anyway, she worked in the, the black and white whiskey factory right. in Steps in Glasgow. And I said, ah, there might be somebody. Uh, he said, right, well, get in touch with her and I'll see what I can do. We didn't know, he didn't know um, where to look for like, professional women's football, but mm. he was going to take care of it. So I phoned Edna. I said, Edna, do you fancy... Do you fancy going professional with me? I said, but you need to get your job up. She says, aye, big pal, let's just do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you need. Aye, that's all we need. So anyway, um, Stan, we got, I had to go back uh, to speak to Stan and he'd found a semi-professional team in France and it was called Stade de Reims, about 100 miles, uh, 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 it was near Paris. So they said, he said, uh, Right, you're going for a trial there. I've set up a trial, and we were that cock out. Well, Edna was. She says we don't do trials. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, off we goes. Um, the Daily Record flows over to to Paris. That's and incredible. Then, they okay. did that. I know. Great. So I take it you've got a subscription to the record to this day, then. <clears throat> yeah, of course I have lifetime. <laughs> um, so uh, at half time of our trial game, that the president of the team come in to sign us and the president I mean that, that seems a cliche was called Pierre but he was also he owned the the L'Equipe mm-hmm. well, the, the really? sports bet aye so they had a bit of money then for anybody who's not aware L'Equipe is the number one um, sports sports paper paper in, in France I know just football it's more sports paper uh, what the is football it? paper's like a zeta dollar sport you rang there pal uh, aye, aye. Uh, that's more a football paper but that's Italian is um is, what, what's the award that Lequeep are involved in? I, I, I don't it's, know. It's, it's not the Ballon d'Or, is it? Aye, I think it is the Ballon d'Or. Well, it used to be, but you know what I mean? Sponsor-wise, they change uh-huh. every new it's a very It's a very prestigious newspaper yeah, anyway. Yeah, um, Going away, now, yeah. did you even have a passport at that time? No. So, let, in, 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 a passport. in order to, f- to you know frame it in people's minds, the yeah. person that's listening... This is, you know, a while back. There's no Skype. There's no WhatsApp. Mm. You can't really just pick up the phone. You know, I didn't you can... have a phone in my house actually. Right. So a landline. So the, it's not only the fact that you're getting into the unknown. You're uh-huh. still developing as a person, yeah. but the the bravery and the determination I think that shows is is unbelievable to just get up and say I'm away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care what the surroundings are because I'm going after what I'm going after. Yeah. So you signed for Reims. Did so you move to France? Uh, we, we signed for Reims and then they said right. We, we, Back to Scotland, Papper cases. Mm-hmm. So the bold Edna goes to whatever woman wants to get her fashion gear mm-hmm. to set Paris alight. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Edna used to dress like a base city rollers, big platform <laughs> shoes, baggy trousers, a lot. Um, but she was fantastic, Edna. Uh, I was just like a more tracky person, Aye. and just that was about it. Um, so anyway, we, we packed our cases uh, to leave home. So I didn't have a suitcase. Hmm. So my dad gave me gave me his, and it was like one of wee the kind of cardboard with the wee cardboard suitcases with wee clips at the end. Right. So my, I didn't have a lot of belongings anyway. So, but it goes in this suitcase, and we we drives up to Abbot Sinch Airport because Glasgow Airport used to be called Abbot Sinch. All right. And there was no the only thing that was there actually was the runway in the plane. Oh dear. Uh, it was like a wee hot thing they went through, put your suitcases up mm. and, and whatever, and then you just walked onto the plane. Anyway, my suitcase was getting picked up and it fell apart. Oh no. And so my father says he got his braces off and his belt and he 
thing but up my suitcase, sort it out my suitcase so I could arrive in Paris with my Louise Vuitton <laughs> luggage. <laughs> <laughs> that, by the way, that's some metaphor as well. You know, there's there's another setback. You could have easily went, oh, I can't go. How am I meant to take my stuff? There's, a, there's always a way, isn't there? Well, I would have went without the stuff. I was in Vienna <laughs> as long as I was there. Um, so off we goes to Paris and I always remember it was Orly at the time that the, the oh, airport yeah, was. Yeah. And um, so the, the president's waiting for us with some photographers out of La Keep and whatever and a bottle of champagne. Wow. And Edna's saying to me, ask him if he's near lager. <laughs> and I says, I, I don't speak French. She says, are you there? <laughs> of course I did. Aye, aye. So that was, it was so funny. Anyway, we, we, we tried to settle into the, the, the lifestyle in France and the team was uh, semi-professional mm-hmm. girls that were working during the, uh, during the day. So we were a wee bit lost there, let's say. Uh, the football, it was all right, but it wasn't a, a great stand. Well, it was quite, it was obviously a lot better in Scotland. And um, the president, Pierre, comes in, uh, uh, he, he invited to his office one day and he said, uh, they see Milan scouts, I've seen you and he wants... Ken, he's going to buy you. Mm-hmm. What went through your mind at that point that, that you've, as you say, you imagined yourself playing for AC Milan or that was your team? You know, what in that moment? In that moment. What did you think? Did you that think? That moment, I just walked out of his office, goodbye. <laughs> Cheerio, I'm going to play for AC Milan. Do you know what I mean? Did you have that realisation of, I, I've made this yeah. happen or this was meant yeah. to happen? No, I, no, I didn't think that. But, but it was as if it, my, my head was spinning mm-hmm. because uh, my dreams were coming true. It's pure. This was, this was my first dream. Well, my first dream was, uh, like, going to Rams. well I didn't know I was going to Rams, but going abroad to be a professional footballer uh, so That's I didn't even tell my parents uh, that uh, that I was uh, I was changing countries anyway off we goes and when the, the plane landed it was in Lenati airport bang in the middle of Milan Lenati airport is and uh, when I got off the plane you just had to walk across the tarmac I felt like a kind of mother's embrace I felt at home Mm. There was something weird happened there, mm-hmm. and I just felt at home. So, oh, putting on the striped shirts, wow. playing at the San Siro, and Edna went home. She was homesick, so I stayed in a hotel for the first year on, on myself. Oh, so so my, she never stayed in Milan. She stayed for a wee while, and then she went home. Oh, Edna no. was homesick. So you, I think you just never felt that, as you say, you just felt at home. I just felt at home, and um, this is pure Roy. Of the, no, I was going to say Roy of the Rovers. It's Rebecca of the Rovers stuff. This it's Rose of the Rovers. Rose of the Rovers. <laughs> so anyway, How Sean, did I don't see that. I know, I know. I wake up moment, darling. So um, stayed in a hotel uh, for the first year, and my teammates didn't speak any English. I hadn't a clue about Italian. I hadn't even ate spaghetti hoops at home. Nothing. <laughs> Knew nothing about Italy. And apart from AC Milan, then I used to speak to myself in the mirror in the evening at night because mm. I was lonely. And the only person that was talking that's, back to me was myself. Uh, I, I know how that feels. It wasn't it? sad, but Sean, I'm uh, not saying that in a, 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 uh, just a matter of fact way. And um, then I seen La Gazzetta dello Sport because I seen this uh, big pink newspaper mm-hmm. and it was all about football. I said, oh, that's great, imagine that. So I bought it and I thought, Christ, I can't read it. <laughs> so then I bought a wee dictionary and I decided I was going to learn three words a day because I was too thick for four kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did. And then I just started speaking to the folk because I had to walk about half an hour half a mile to the restaurant. I was got my lunch and dinner there. I'd never been in the restaurant in my life. In, in Scotland, never uh-huh. mind Italy, and it was on new food, it was on new everything, but I embraced everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I said, what does January Rivera eat? Risotto and a steak, that's what I'll have. <laughs> what does it have after we express or that's what I'll have? And he'll spat it out. I didn't like it, but then I did like it. So I embraced the entire uh, time in life. 
uh, embraced everything uh, language you name it and you, you for any, we're not really going to speak it here because nobody's going to understand it but you speak Italian to me as if you were born there yeah, um, one, yeah. one thing I really like about you and mm. one thing I will actually say I like about myself is mm. you totally you know you completely immerse yourself in the language in the culture. and culture and you may as well be Italian you know if you're speaking Italian but then when you speak Scottish you've maintained accent. that accent and identity of I have. do you know what because what I think about uh. people and not everybody and this might sound mm. a bit harsh but I feel anybody who move somewhere and they, they change their accent yeah. I think right you've had that your whole life yeah. so you've intentionally changed that or maybe you've subconsciously changed it but I think it reflects on how um, easily manipulated or how much somebody will manipulate, manipulate their own character to blend in yeah. or to be to find themselves more favourable like I, I refuse to budge even when I speak English I have got like if I'm in Spain I need to speak English to somebody I've got this posh accent I could put on but yeah. I just refuse to do it I'm like yeah. it just isn't me but apart from that I've heard you speak Italian Spanish and French you're a disgrace Sean you're I, absolutely I, wonderful I, I know, could, I, could I interview you now yeah we can I'll push out my parlare un po' un po' in Italiano we were singing an Italian tune earlier what mm. did we sing you sang nell'aria c'è già la nostra canzone un bicchiere di vino un panino con la Sorry yeah. for uh, for um, embarrassing ourselves. I know. Sorry for making you listen to that, but we like your Italian tunes. But no, I, I love that that you've just completely, completely immersed yourself in it, and obviously that that paid dividends for you because your your teammates loved you as a result. Um, and your <laughs> your teammates, what did they say? I, I've actually written it down. So you were captain at every club you played. Yeah, at. yeah. And that obviously reflects on how you can influence the dressing room. Or that was it. One of your teammates said you were a very strong on the pitch and a very strong influence in yeah. the dressing room as well. Well, the fact is, um, when I went there, um, it was absolutely roasting. Um, I had difficulty even breathing, never mind playing at football. So I used to train myself in the midday sun. Yeah. I trained myself and uh, then I trained in the evening with my teammates mm -hmm. so I've always did that to better myself uh, I had this opportunity to be a professional footballer and I was going to make the best out of it and for the love and the respect that I had for the game that that's what I did mm -hmm. and then I'd read in a book that um, the athletes are, are the footballers in Mexico when it was a World Cup in Mexico it was English players and they took salt tablets because it was altitude it was too warm mm -hmm. but I didn't have salt tab tablets but I used just to have a shake of the salt dish and put it in my mouth and then drink some water. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. <laughs> that was quite drastic. Sure, I didn't aye. care. Uh, I thought, well, that's it. I'll just do that. Uh -huh. And then the other funny thing is I couldn't... Uh, 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 I wasn't in touch with my parents, my brothers and sisters, because mm -hmm. we didn't have a phone in the house. So the communication was these wee air, uh, air mails are called. Right. The, the letters and the wee blue envelopes tra transparent. So whatever you wrote in that armchair, I just imagine the pilot. Aye, like, hold up to Aye. the light. Like, oh, look at her. Look at uh, what she up to. Uh, so that was good. And I was always waiting for um, a response, letters back for my mum and dad. Mm -hmm. Liv living that dream every day must have just been incredible. You must have just woken up with a just a burst of enthusiasm yeah. to just go out and enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, but I think that rubbed off on my teammates as well. Mm. I was just uh, happy to be alive, let's say. And then, look, over the course of the time, before you went away, let's look at the state of, I suppose, the, the Scottish, the SFA's influence or 
take on the game. They were very obstructive, weren't they? Until was it UEFA or FIFA? Yeah. Basically gave them an ultimatum and said, you either support and allow women's football or you're, you'll pay the pay the price. Is that what happened at that stage? Well, I don't know because I was already in Italy at the time. Right, okay. But uh, in the meantime, they'd sin died me. That's football language to see a life ban. Mm-hmm. Um, Did they ever give an explanation for that? No It's not, not like them to make an arse of things is it? The SFA Why would they? Mm. Um, anyway when I when I was playing uh, like women's football here And I played for my country I played for Scotland We weren't allowed to play in SFA pitches There was no SFA referees They weren't allowed to referee us We were banned for everything So it, it was an uphill struggle and I must say that Elsa Cook persevered in the, the organising of ever, everything. Elsa was great at, mm-hmm. at organising and, and running the show, like to say. Um, so I, it was very difficult. And then when I went to Italy, well, I played for my country, scored for my country. And uh, I think I got a letter from Elsa saying, we're banned for life. She was banned. Edna, but Edna and all them were marching up in George Square against the then boss of the SFA, Willie Allen. Sporting suffragettes. Aye, well, whatever. But I hadn't a clue what was going on. Mm-hmm. I, I was oblivious because I was playing at foot, my football in Italy. And she said that I was banned for life. I said, what for? I haven't done anything. I've just tried to better myself. Mm-hmm. They said, maybe because you're a professional. I said, but I'm only trying to better myself. And, um, but it didn't bother me. I wasn't sad about it or anything. I, I was playing in Italy. Then five years down the line, uh, the Italian Federation asked if I would play for Italy. Mm-hmm. Now, there was about 40 of us foreigners playing in Italy. It was super professional, Brazilians, Danish, Swedish, Mexicans, you name it, we were all there. And uh, I was the only one, the only foreigner picked, asked if wow. I would represent Italy. But I don't look Italian. Did you need to take Italian citizenship? Uh, they said they were going to go through it all. And um, so I said, aye, that's great. Uh, obviously, that's great. Uh-huh. So then I played for Italy, won the World Cup. They named me the world's best female footballer. And I thought, but when they named me, I, I'm being selfish here. When, mm-hmm. when they named me the world's best female footballer, you know, yeah, you was thank your teammates for everything. Well, I didn't. <laughs> I thought you're a dancer. <clears throat> you know what I mean? That, that's, right. a, that's amazing. That's a, a, a single award. You know what I mean? To have that, that, to have that put on you, that prestige, and to win the World Cup. And again, I have to stress from the research that I've done mm. that while people might look at the state of or the the status of women's football mm. in Scotland or the UK, and then think that applies to everywhere. In Italy, it was very much there was a lot of commercial sponsorship, yeah. separate sponsorship. Yeah. There was media coverage, yeah. quite a lot of it. Your journalists kind of following you about. Uh-huh. Um, so that is absolutely enormous. Now flip that round and see why wouldn't the SFA want to, to embrace that or to promote that I feel like it's um, you know that type of thing maybe the world was changing women were having more of a prominent role in the workplace and society and stuff like that especially with let's call a spade a spade arseholes old dinosaurs that were running the SFA at that time it was probably the last splutters of Resistance, would you? And 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 that they were saying, well, this is ours. This is the men's game, and these women are getting it. Is there any truth in that? That observation? I don't know. You would have to. You would have to ask them that, Sean. But I would just like to send out a message. I believe I'm football. Hmm. I'm football. They're not football. Absolutely. They're running football. So nobody can ban me because it's mine. Aye. So you know, up until a certain point, not that long ago. 
when the Scottish national team would travel places or the old directors would be up in first class and the mm-hmm. players are up the back yeah. and to that you'd be like well how about if the players go on strike can you can you stick yourself up front and see how he's <laughs> see uh-huh. how he's got on like uh-huh. you, uh, you're right you are not football I think first firstly it's the players yeah. secondly it's the fans people say it's the fans first but I suppose maybe they've got a joint first place no, because I don't know, without... because the fans kinda uh, wouldn't turn up when they'd be there, but exactly. we can still play football without the fans. <laughs> Obviously the fans have got their place and there's nothing better than playing. I was playing in front of twenty thousand every week and twenty thousand, excuse my Scottishness. <laughs> um uh, in Italy and and, and and that uplifts your game. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, it's amazing. Right. Uh, I remember the first game I played in Rome and it was against uh, it was a Flaminio Stadium. Where the rugby used to get played, oh, okay. uh, I, uh, unfortunately, it's went to pot. It's a shame, but anyway, it was like this great wee stadium with the Roman statues running about it and all that the thing. And we were playing against Lazio, and they were top of the league. And I'd signed for AC Milan, so off we went there. And my my foot and all the things was in front of the Corriere dello Sport. That's equivalent, the Roman equivalent of the Gazzetta dello Sport. Mm-hmm. It's all about the 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 the, the Roma, Roma Calcio. Lazio. Roma Lazio culture but anyway they were introducing me this Scottish lassie great player blah 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 so anyway I scored three goals <laughs> and after it the fans were shouting my name but it was Lazio fans that were there we wow. didn't have any travelling fans and I thought they were appreciating my, my football so I went over to thank uh, them and they shouted Aye, Rose Rose Vafunculo <laughs> and then Limortace Toy which is a bad thing well it, it, they use it in the and I tell you, it's against your your dead relatives, let's Wolf. say, just to put the finger in it. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, I was kind of cursed into them. I thought, this is great. And then my teammate says, no, Rose. See, that's brilliant <laughs> shithousery for you when they're saying that. They're trying to uh-huh. upset you and hurt you. Aye. You're just stuck waving at them. Aye. For anybody wondering what Vafankula means, it's an Italian way to say, go away, please, but not in this nice... Per favore, go away. Per favore, arrivederci. Not content with... One in the World Cup, be named the world's best player, away being embraced by your fans, media, colleagues alike. You then had to go one step further, and you won two league titles in two different countries in the oh, one I season. I forgot about that, Sean. How did? How, <laughs> how is did that, that happen? How is that possible? This is like a game of FIFA. Right, Pierre phoned me from Reims. I was playing in the deep south of Italy in Lecce. And he said uh, he'd managed to get the phone number of my president. Uh, uh, by the way, the owners of the teams in, in, in Italy are called presidents. It's right. not like uh, Clinton or anything. <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, he phones and he said, uh, would you play for us this year, Rose? I said, no, because Ken, I'm in the town football. He says, mm-hmm. not you playing the Saturday afternoon and me playing the Sunday evening ahead of the men's mm-hmm. matches. So the crowds are there and whatever. Uh, and we could work out a plan. I said, all right, that's good. So I spoke to the the the, the my Italian uh, president, and he said, uh, "Oh God, that'd be great, Rose. You know, he didn't try to stop me, or whatever." So I played for uh, Lecce in the Saturday afternoon, and then in the Sunday morning, I would get a plane. I always had to get a plane to Rome. It's a wee bit like here, Scotland. You have to go to London to Aye. go elsewhere. Well, uh, in Italy, wherever you are, you've had to go to Rome. So we go to Rome and then fly to Paris in the that's unbelievable. The Sunday, then I would get to wherever my team were playing and played stayed there stayed in Paris until a Tuesday then back to Italy to start up my training sessions with a Italian team did you find that gave you an advantage in terms of sharpness in playing because you're just you know people say you play with better players or a, a 
a wider variety of styles because the French and Italian style, I'd imagine, would be somewhat different. It's different, Sean, but my style was put the ball in the back of the net. <laughs> basically, so it's a, it's like an international style. Uh, I always remember I was getting mixed up with my football bags. I had my French football bag and then <laughs> I had my French football boots because you get sponsored there by Pony. Nice. It was called. Uh, and uh, I, was, I was just buzzing. And I'd bought, I'd bought a, bought a wee Walkman, you know, the wee old-fashioned uh, cassette players and mm-hmm. music, and that was me, half-bag while travelling, off I went. Brilliant. That's a quiz question. I was just, I, sorry for the dead air there, to the mm. people listening, I left about two seconds empty, but I just went thinking, like, has a player at any level ever won two league titles in two countries in the one season? It's un- unbelievable. Yeah. What was your favourite club? I think it was AC Milan. Just by the prestige. Well, you, you don't have a favourite club. The, uh, the favourite club is the, the the moment you're playing for them. That uh, is your favourite club. Well, I'll rephrase that then. Right. Where did you enjoy your football most? Uh, in Stuart. <laughs> oh, really? Less, <laughs> less no, I'm, I'm, only, <laughs> I'm only joking. Uh, uh, where did I enjoy my football best? Uh, playing for Italy. Playing for Italy. Do you feel you must have a beat? You described it as a Scottish heart beating under yeah. an Italian yeah. jersey. Is that how you f- do? You feel that way still? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got a love affair. Um, uh, uh, Scotland's my mother, and Italy's my lover, kind of thing. Right. Okay. So, nah, don't split me up for one of them. Okay. The other thing is, uh, we were playing England in Italy, so the it was English anthem first because mm-hmm. they, uh, we were playing in Italy and I just started playing for Italy so it says God Save the Queen so while they were singing God Save the Queen I, I was like Oh Flower of Scotland <laughs> and I sang Ma, ma, and then it was on to Fratelli d'Italia So I take it you must have sang Sorelli d'Italia uh, We sang aye We all changed it in the dressing room We're going to sing Sorelli d'Italia Which uh, the Italian national anthem is uh, Fratelli d'Italia, Brothers of Italy mm-hmm. So we, we sang Sorelli d'Italia uh, Sisters of Italy Brilliant how many how many caps did you get for Italy? Not very much because I got banned then. Uh, but you get banned for Italy as well? No, I didn't get banned. Oh, sorry. No, no, sure, I didn't get banned. Um, uh, in the days, every nation had their own federations, mm-hmm. right? But then they all got together. But then FIFA and UEFA had decided that we'll take over women's football right. with their rules and regulations. So with their rules and regulations, I still hadn't been naturalised like right, okay. Italian. So it was actually I didn't get banned with the Italians. I get banned. Like, I didn't get banned. Was I wasn't a, allowed to play. A restriction, I suppose. Yeah, any citizenship yeah, process yeah, application I, would have been I, a lot longer. But actually, the president of Italy said, "How do you fancy marrying some old guy in a nursing home?" <laughs> and I said, "God, for a Catholic family, my mother really would have bloody killed me." But nowadays, I thought, "God, see if it was a millionaire, I'd have bloody done it." Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> amazing. Only joking, right? Looking back, so at that point. There's obviously been a transformation. You've been a snotty nosed wee lassie who's left Stuart and then you've went to Paris. You've made your way to Milan, and I'm sure I've heard you speaking about how you started to become more sophisticated. Yeah. You, you adopted the Italian way of life. Mm. You were dressing better. You mm. were carrying yourself in a uh-huh. more mature way. Yeah. You then went back, didn't you? you surprised? Did I you surprise your mom. family? I surprised. I always say my mum because it was her that he was giving me the hard time. I think my mm-hmm. daddy was just happy. I was playing at football, but he wasn't allowed to express, <laughs> express <it>. himself. <laughs> my ma was the boss. Anyway, um, I come. Edna had been at home, so I was staying myself in this hotel. And the president, with, with a couple of weeks off, and he said, hey, "Would you like to go home, Rose?" I think he was afraid I was going to get homesick mm-hmm. and bugger off. 
and which wasn't the case. But I said, oh, that, that's fine. And ladies, um, um, airline tickets were quite expensive, right. about one and a half grand. You know, we were flying Alitalia, British Airways, and all that. And it was expensive to fly. It was I was businessmen and whatever mm-hmm. that, that um, flew in the days. So I said, oh, yeah, of course that'd be great. So. Um, I had I, already changed my, my, my aspect, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'd been to, I didn't need to go to the barbers for a short back and sides. I, I was at a, an Italian, the top hairdresser in Milan, who styled my hair. Lovely. I always remember going to get this, it was like a Burberry raincoat I'd seen in the Arena Scente near George Armani's store in Milan. You so shot that. in Galleria Vittorio Emanuele. Yeah, certo. Uh, then uh, a nice wee fitted blouse and fitted trousers, a, a wee uh, pair of boots with a heel on it, a handbag. I'd never handbag in my life because I'd bugger out to put in it. <laughs> uh, and this was me new suitcase, not my daddy's mm-hmm. wee thing. Uh, God love him. And so off I goes to Scotland. So I arrives at uh, Glasgow Airport and just got a bus in to, into the town and then another bus into Stuart and everything takes ages. Uh, I went up the road because my mum and dad, my family didn't know I was arriving. I just opened the door and my mum my seen me and she didn't recognise me. She just stared at me for a moment. I get emotional at this bit. Uh. And she says, oh, Rose. That's all right. Take your time. No, I'm fine. We can edit this wee bit. It's no, no, I'm fine. You're right. It's obviously an emotional thing. But yep. she, so, I mean, well, you take a wee drink but she's seen you leaving as a certain type yeah, of person and yeah. she's obviously got With no future no future she doesn't know what your path is going to be she's got that obviously that maternal concern and fucking hell how worried must she have been when you're because she you're obviously living the high life you're as happy as anything but she doesn't know that and no because the certain point I didn't tell my mum and dad that I'd left France to go to Italy aye. and I, a couple of weeks doing the line I had to tell them because Edna was going back home and anyway apart for that I'd written this by the way I'm not in France anymore and I'm in Italy Aye, so she, she's obviously she will have like you know we all think the worst yeah so she's probably imagining all these all these scenarios where all these yeah. things are happening so in that moment that you've walked oh. in and she's seen you in that immediate picture she has just it's been a comfort a clarification yeah. that everything is well and what did she say to you what did she say to me she when just, you walked in when I walked in she just Stared, stared at me and she just said oh Rose she didn't recognise me because obviously you know your mum and uh, why she looks at you um, and she just stared at me had a wee a wee moment that she didn't even know who this young sophisticated who's this model that's from my that's walked in I know <laughs> uh, and it was a wee lassie that's amazing and I did that then did your relationship change after that because that can say because often it's happened to my mum I think my mum's gave me a hard time when I was younger uh-huh. but there's probably a, and for my auntie and my gran there's probably been concern yeah. that I've mistaken for contempt Yeah. but they're probably just worried about you know where you're going in life and I, I can relate to that after being away in Spain for a couple of years I'd come back and things were different the relationship was different because you can then just enjoy that they can probably relax a wee bit and think no right okay because I, I was kind of similar there was no distinct path for me. Uh-huh. This isn't about me, but I can uh-huh. completely relate to yeah. it. And uh, no relationship with all of them, my relationship with all of them has gone from strength to strength because now it can be, all right, things are all right. Ah, but they'll be proud of you, case. Sean, because you, you, you're making a great career out of yourself. So um, I don't mean that you're right and your mum's wrong. That, that That's not the case. But it's the, it's the case as I 
obviously your your mum was worried about you because you didn't have a path in life a wee bit like myself Aye. but you made your path That's so that it. path is actually much sweeter than getting something landed in a plate absolutely I think what I can see with more you than me but I can see a, a similarity in terms of forging your own path because you know that mm. I through the way my life has gone for like zigzags it's like there is no way that, that I could have predicted that or I could have said this is what I'm going to pursue yeah. it's more that following your instinct and your intuition doing what you fancy doing and then retrospectively I always say this you can look back and go oh I can see where that's gone for point A to point mm. B to point C it's been you know it's been very much up and down and it's it's not been um, what's the word normal or there's a word I was going to look for it'll maybe come back to me mm-hmm. um, but I so you, your your mum's probably then did they ever visit you in Italy? Yeah, it, when I went to Milan, they arrived in Milan with my wee sisters. Uh, I've got a twin sister and there's other two twins five years down the line and they come straight over to Milan, trains, boats, a bloody lot uh-huh. to see that I was all right. Aye, and they must have... Because they had no clue. Aye, and imagine, like, you're used to it, but again, back in that time, it's not as if they can say, right, we'll jump on YouTube and we'll get a wee swatch no, of no. what Milan looks like, no, or we'll check no, Google Maps. no. Well, they couldn't afford to fly over. My mum wasn't for flying anyway because um, uh, she she was afraid. But the folk then were afraid to fly because um, they'd never flown before. It's the unknown. Yeah, I I don't know if it's unknown, but uh, whatever. I loved it. I loved it for day one. Uh Edna was terrified. Maybe that's why she came home. Uh, I taught her some Catholic uh, prayers, Edna, when we were (laughs) on the plane. Edna's orange strewn through. Ranger supporter. the, the Hail Mary was getting said by God, that is my Rangers have been, pal. Must have been <laughs> terrified. Uh, as if you've had all, you've had a lot of challenges and a lot of things, and you've absolutely battered through them. But probably the toughest one you would have come up against was, and it came about in the most roundabout way after a game. You had a post-match meal and you had some raw shellfish. Yeah. What happened there? Well, what happened there? I was playing Malachi. I just arrived there and. Um, well, was it a meal before the game and after it? Again, everyone was right professional, but it, it was raw seafood that was in the menu and I'd never tasted it before. It was actually a mussel and um, great big ones because in South Italy, the, 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 that's one of our specialities. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, um, oh, you'll need to try this, Rose, you know, and I felt I felt obliged to try right. it. So I just tried one and then I got hepatitis. Fucking hell. Um, so about... I can't remember how long after, say about a week later or something, uh, I just turned bright yellow and I was just sick and just conked out, faint it. So it took me to the hospital and I was put in isolation. Mm-hmm. So I was in this wee room in the Policlinico di Bari, that's the deep south of Italy, and uh, in this wee room just with a wee window in it, and the doctors used to come in like with space suits on and all that. <laughs> Um, and I, I, I was unconscious for a couple of days uh, and somebody said were you afraid you you were dying right well I could have but I wasn't afraid because when, you, when you're at that in that state Aye. you don't care Aye, you must and that's truthful you don't care so this was me again um, I, well they realised that it, it wasn't infectious or whatever it was a raw seafood and uh, I was a wee bit stronger to get into a ward but I couldn't go to the toilet myself I couldn't have it I mean so weak really to, for a couple of weeks incapacitated I just on drips all the Jesus. time and whatever uh, 
but it helped me. In every wee room that I was in, 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 in the, the hospital, there was a big statue of Our Lady looking down at you. <laughs> so I felt at home because my dad I had Our Lady <laughs> in the corner with the rosary beads around about it. So I used to pray. It was the only thing I could do, but I never got in touch with my parents. Never told anybody that I was ill. Um, panicking. Yeah, and um, the only pe- people that knew I was I was the president of the football team, obviously, and some of my teammates, but that was it. Um, I always found the strength, Sean, to get better, isolating myself, mm-hmm. not isolate myself because of the illness, isolate myself from any anybody giving any of opinions. Anyway, about a couple of weeks down the line, I was fit enough. They were, uh, I got an ambulance back home where I was living with the, the president of Lecce. I had a, a wee apartment there in his grounds. And um, before I, uh, I got discharged, the doctor said to me, you can't play at football again, that's your career over. So I stared him in the, pre- in the face and I thought to myself, that'll be fucking right. <laughs> and... Then, uh, well, I had a couple of weeks in bed and then I decided uh, I was going to go to the toilet myself. So I managed that. I mean, I was so weak. Then the next day I was going to walk 50 yards. I'd, I'd measured everything in my mind. I'll just go to that wee stone. I'll just go to that wee tree. And the football ground was in the grounds of where I was staying. Then I thought, oh, just walk to the football pitch. And I did that. Then I'll just walk 10 yards, 50 yards. Then every day... I'm going to try and run a bit when I fell, mm-hmm. but I got up again. Then I started running, and then after that, that was me. Just shows you, um, obviously, the specifics of you. It's, it's incredible that you've that you've overcome that, that you've had that that inner fortitude and inner strength and determination and clarity of vision to say this is what I'm going to achieve. But the the, the point I would say to people there is, if you've had any major, major, major setback in your life and you are near death, so mm-hmm. it doesn't get worse than that. It really does not uh-huh. get worse than that because it's the worst possible outcome. If you find yourself in, in in any sort of depth and you think there's no way I can overcome this, or you think right here's where I need to be and here's where I am, you didn't do it in one step or one day. You did it bit by bit by bit, and that's what I always kind of oh, excuse me. It's what I always kind of say to people is. If you need to get somewhere, mm-hmm. don't don't be put off or don't be sort of disheartened because yeah. you think, well, I can't do it in one step because uh-huh. nobody's doing it in one step. You're not climbing a mountain in one step. You're mm-hmm. not getting back to full physical health in one step. You're not going to turn your life around in one step. Uh-huh. It's those wee small yeah. things and those small targets and small changes and daily improvements. And, you know, if you are at one place and then in one week you'll be further and four weeks you'll be further... And three months will yeah. be further, and you've you've done that, and you, you get back to full fitness, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Now that's unbelievable. But are you a medical freak, or was it just your determination? Like, did the talk, doctors give you any input on that? No, no. I think I'm just a freak end off. No, I mean, freak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. John. I had so much. Um, I, I don't. I think the wrong phrase is self belief. Um, it's what I wanted, right? And what I wanted was to be a professional footballer. So mm-hmm. I now was a professional footballer and I wasn't going to let a slight thing like dying get in my way. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a wee minor inconvenience, Aye. isn't it? Aye, piss off. <laughs> I, I need to get on with my life, which Excellent. I did. Life but, how... but I still didn't tell anybody. I mean, my, my, how, When did you, nobody... ever, did you ever say, oh, by the way... I think I came out in a conversation Aye, after I'd finished and whatever. nearly died. Aye. I can uh, and she just looked at me. She said, "Oh, Rose, I would have been straight over." I said, "That's who I didn't tell you." <laughs> <laughs> I could have asked for that. I'd have been more than a hail mary. The uh, 
another way you're a bit of a, a freak in a sense and a pot in a very complimentary way is you played until you were 40. Yeah, and yeah. Like, played uh, Sean until I was 40 because uh, super fit, still fit. But then after yourself. You can look, uh, you can look around about yourself and your teammates. You could be their mother. Mm. You could be the mother of the referee and I thought I'd better get the hell out of here, pal. Aye. But I decided to stop when I was 40 when I was 39. Right. And I had I, I needed a game plan. I needed to see what I was going to do after mm-hmm. football because that was my life. Um, so I decided to open a sports shop in Tranny. It was called Riley Sport. Uh, and I had a business partner. It was this guy. Um, so that's where I was going to put my money. So I was already um, mental getting prepared for everything. Because it's a big decision yeah, to aye, make. Yeah, massive. Aye, but I did it. Was it was it daunting? Were you, were no, you, no. You always look. You just knew what you were going to do. Yeah. Hmm. Then uh, when I did stop playing football officially, um, the local policemen and trying to ask me if I play with them <laughs> because they always wanted me to play with them, but I couldn't because insurance things because of the women's football. And uh, I says, aye, aye, I can play now. That's good. So I played with the local policemen. Brilliant. Um, but I also started up my running career again. I just ran. Mm-hmm. I'd run like for two and a half hours. Still running mental this day, stuff. don't you? Yeah, just ticking over now. But mm-hmm. um, So then I had my sports shop. But then uh, for a full year, I used to see myself in a flat, a beautiful flat near the, the sea in, uh, in Tranny. And um, for about a full year, I didn't see any of my friends because I did this... I had, I had to get the inner strength again from being on my own. Mm-hmm. I, I worked during the day in my sports shop. I had a lot of friends, played at football with the Polish team. But then I withdrew into myself to mentally detach myself from playing football, but mm-hmm. not from football. Yeah. And then was that at the time that you met you met your Norberto. new husband? Yeah. Um, I tore my calf muscle, which had never happened um, in all my f- football career. Everything was fine, but uh, it was uh, the Astro Turfs that were coming out then, mm-hmm. and it, that's why I was playing it. And they were rubbish at the start. I think they're still rubbish now, anyway. I don't like them. Um, anyway, I tore my calf muscle, and I couldn't get any better. And somebody said, "There's this wee Argentinian doctor that um, works in a private clinic in Trani." So I says, oh, well, I'll try him. So I go to Norberto, met Norberto, and we, we just kind of clicked right away. Norberto was not long in Italy. We'd been about a couple of years there. He'd, um, he'd come away from uh, his hometown of Buenos Aires, where he was head of the, the cardiologist um, uh, clinic. Uh, and there was a there was a financial breakdown in Argentina, and they'd emptied his bank account, the, the government, as you do. They were not you go into this up your history lesson in Argentina, but they're quite dictatorial, weren't they? Like you have aye. to apply to to take money out of Argentina, aye, which aye. is fucking nuts. It's my I money, know, I fanny, I I'll take it I if know. I want. Absolutely, and he was in he was in the student thing, the Desperacidos at the time in nineteen sixty eight. I think your well. your books was I marking, I think, and I ticked. But anyway, um, he, he came to Italy because his sister was married to an Italian, aye. and she says, "No, you'd be better out here." Blah blah blah. So I met I meet Norberto, and he starts to treat me and he spoke Italian like Maradona Aye. and I thought oh, that, that's cute oh, I like this wee guy and, whatever. and we just clicked I wasn't looking for anybody he wasn't looking for anybody and he, he asked me out one night uh, after about a week's treatment and I said no as you do play hard to get <laughs> Uh, I'm still Scottish <laughs> uh, but then we started going out together and that was it we just clicked God that's amazing yep. and you've now got a a daughter. Your daughter has got. I was, cause I, I know you've got a daughter. I, I know I hesitated there, but what I was hesitating is I was mm. going to say she has got the most 
unusual heritage yeah. of all time. So she got an Argentinian father, mm. a Scottish mother who born is in Italy. Born in Italy, it's half Italian, so that's Valentina. 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 Um, she was doing Valentine's Day um, <laughs> in Italy. It's her birthday's next week, so um, she was a day late. So I called her Megan Valentina Bridget after my mum. So a couple of years down the line, she says to me, why did you know call me Al- Valentina as my first name? Uh-huh. I said, well, you just shift it along. It's, uh, so uh, about a couple of weeks after that she'd said that to me, uh, she changed her name with Deadpool and all these papers come through <laughs> letter <laughs> the hell? And I thought, that, she's did nothing for me. Do. I, I can't say anything. Chip off the old block, I, just get so it done. Valentina Peralta. Um, she's got a lot to live with. Poor wee soul. Nah, she's um, when she was when I was given birth in Italy. It was a cesarean, so that the we can a screen on my face, but I'm like brave heart, and I'll just stay awake. I nearly crapped myself. I was terrified. <sighs> um, so I was forty five when I gave birth to Wayne. I oh. hadn't read the rule books even then. I never just ripped everything up. Just go want. for it, pal. So the the, the doctor, the gynaecologist, uh, uh, of course, they all knew me because mm-hmm. I used to play there, and when. When Megan come out, uh, Valentina come out, uh, he said, oh my God, it's not a wee girl. Because I knew I was having a wee girl and I thought, what the fuck's went wrong here? He says, it's a football. <laughs> and I said, just fine. You shouldn't have been joking at a time no, like this. No, I and I could imagine a ball coming up. Aye. And said, maybe the, life, maybe the life I've left that is a ball. It's not a wee lassie. Unbelievable. And uh, so she stayed there till she was eight, eight months, months old. Yeah, when the... she was eight months, I got a phone call from my sister saying my mum had a severe stroke. Mm. She was paralysed and got straight over. Time to say, can I cheer you to her? So gets Megan and her baby, who's a, a wee baby bag, and off I went straight on the plane to 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 my home to Scotland. And I always remember my brother picked me up at Glasgow Airport. Glasgow Airport, side in the middle of bloody everything that day. Mm-hmm. And um, just take me down to Irvine Central. We couldn't speak in the car because the emotion, we were emotion, we were going to lose our mammy. So my mum was now a week in a cot bed because she was all twisted. And she took my hand. She says, oh, Rose, please don't leave me. I'm afraid. <sighs> and I, I think she had... Um, she had this relationship with me just because we had a love-hate relationship mm-hmm. when I was a teenager, but then everything was different. Yeah. Obviously, you mature and you realise what life's about. And I promised I wouldn't leave her. Nine years later, I was still here. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> because I took the baby, uh, her, Valentina, her baby, and I lay beside my mum. And she said, oh, ba 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 And that was, I think that kept her going. Uh-huh. So then I decided to stay here to look after my mum. But mm-hmm. I, I always thought she was going to die. It's the truth. You think, it's all right, I'll just go back to her till the morning because my mum will die. Mm-hmm. But she didn't. How long did she hold on? Nine years. Fuck's sake. You kept Exactly. On? Nine years. So I wanted to take That's her home and look up. I didn't have a home. Uh-huh. So Norberto, my husband, he was in Italy. I was here on my Todd with the Wayne. What the hell? So I would visit my mum every day and uh, always took her clothes home to wash for her uh, because I didn't want the hospital to wash my mummy's clothes. Mm-hmm. That's what I, that was my duty as a daughter. She had a wee payback. Aye, she had a wee, she had a wee pool in her kitchen, kind of wee pullies at uh-huh. you. Aye, aye. aye, And God, they were great. So I'd my wash her clothes, dry them and back and forward to my mum. Then she took in a nursing home because I couldn't look after my sister, try because she was paralysed, mm-hmm. manchester paralysed. Uh, and she needed like kind of medical care 24 uh-huh. hours. So they took her into this lovely wee uh, nursing home near Kilmarnock, uh, Harrowford Torrance Lodge. So that's where my mummy was. She'd arrange me room, arrange me furniture, and whatever. So I went in every day to her. There's um, a strong theme running through your family of just doing things in your own terms. Aye, why not? <laughs> exactly. Why in not? fact, g- 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 
I'd spoke to my sisters, I says, look, we'll need to get my mum in a, in a nursing home near her hometown. There wasn't one in Stuart, but at least we got Kilmarnock. And all my sisters, a couple of my nurses, oh no, you need to get permission. You need to get, you need to sign all these forms. You need to wait, you need to blah, blah, blah. So I went to this place, Torrance Lodge, I'd found out the nearest place and, I, and it was a Sunday morning and there was a week in a keyboard with numbers, a wee secure thing that you had to have a password, uh-huh. it, it passed numbers to get in. But the door was open, somebody must have come out, so I just walked in and I wanted about the corridors and the matron says, could I help you please? And I says, aye. And I told them I saw her, I says, I want my mummy in here. Mm. And she says, oh, but, but, but she says, okay. And then she got my mother in. I didn't sign any bloody leaflet. I didn't do anything by the book. Mm-hmm. And they took my mummy. Just done. Yep. God, that's that is absolutely incredible, though. To to you're obviously you've flown back under the impression that that's it. Aye. Another decade almost. Uh-huh. But the thing is, uh, Sean, I could get Italy back. I couldn't get my mummy back. That's really aye, so true. Aye. It's so, so true. Family uh, comes first. Family comes first. Your mum and dad comes first. Because Italy's um, not going anywhere. Uh, no, it's going down the swan the way uh, things are going so now. But uh, no, I, I get back for six weeks every uh, every year and it's the same it's the same wee bar that gives my, my, my daughter gelato without having to pay for it. The fisherman <laughs> gives me fresh fish. Uh, just everything. Would you ever go back? Um, it's now a different scenario mm-hmm. uh, when I left there it was the year 2000 it was the year my daughter was born just doing things never the right way she's a wee millennium child mm-hmm. um, I would go back if, I'd, if, if I was financially secure mm-hmm. uh, I'm not like my male counterparts I wasn't paid the money that no. they get nowhere near it um, so financially I can't go back but um if I don't know if um, if I win the lottery, it's a wee bit hard because I don't play the bloody thing. I always say that I see if I win the lottery, I bought about four tickets in my life. Aye, well you're the same as me. Aye. But anyway, you've got age in your side, darling. I've no. <laughs> um, but aye, aye, I'll likely get Italy back one day. In terms of, you're very determined, and just as we kind of wrap up, but something I definitely need to touch upon. You are very determined and steadfast in your own you know, self-belief and mm. conviction and whatever, and very much of, I don't care what you think, but recognition means something to us all. And you were inducted into the, was it the Scottish Sports Hall of Fame and then the Scottish Football Hall of Fame? Yeah, when I come back here, I don't think anybody knew, uh, knew much about me, but I wasn't here and that wasn't in my agenda, that didn't bother me, why would they? Uh-huh. Um, and all of a sudden I was getting inducted into the, the, the Sports Hall of Fame and I always remember getting piped in that day uh, and I, I was so emotional I couldn't even talk oh, been great. Because, I, I... Uh, uh, and I was there with, with uh, my husband and, and my daughter and my daughter I don't know she should be uh, 2000 she was about 6, 7 year old mm. um, it's easy for me to count now I can't count but she was a millennium child <laughs> aye, aye. 2000 she'd be 7 year old then. Um, and I'd say to you need to get a day off school because I'm in the museum up in Edinburgh she said to me but to be in a museum, you either need to be dead or a dinosaur. <laughs> I said, well, I'll take the dinosaur, but uh, <laughs> that was that was our uh, expression. And uh, 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 that really was an emotional day. More emotional, this sounds ungrateful, but it's not un- ungrateful, but I was inducted into the Hall of Fame at Hamden. Mm-hmm. So the, the Sports Hall of Fame, I was an athlete, but... Liz McCogan and, and whatever yeah. and here I was beside Kenny Douglas that's incredible so women weren't allowed mm. right and um, 
It was a no-no, but I'd done it. So I used to give all my trophies away when I was in Italy. I've not got trophies or anything, fitbers, shits, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, whoever, whoever was following me, like my fans or something, a wheelchair or whatever, it seems pathetic, but it's not. I always gave them it because they 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 can remember. Uh, looking at my medal, they can remember. Mm-hmm. I don't need it's, a medal to remember. Ah, it's a shared experience. You Aye. were there, you were on the pitch, yeah. but it's something for them so to So this reporter came to my house to see my medals and my trophy room. I said, no, what They're up here, they're on my head. I says, tell you. See this Hall of Fame trophy? They're all in there. Aye. Because without all the trophies, I wouldn't have that. I mean, that that's an incredible achievement and recognition in itself, but it's also, you know, a, a, a symbol of that achievement, persistence, perseverance against, you know, you were taught, female footballers were obviously much derided in Scotland, didn't they? Uh-huh. Up until it was quote unquote legalised. Mm-hmm. Um, and what an example that must be for any young female footballer who's now, you know, you were the trailblazer, as we say, you were forging paths, you forged yeah. that path and now mm. other people are able to follow that. So I find that absolutely incredible. You're in the Scottish Football Hall of Fame mm. it's and it's it's obviously very, very, very well deserved. You also get an MBE okay. through the post. I know. So this Never was a ending couple, recognition. No? I know, this is ridiculous. Um, the MBE, I was actually shaking uh, opening the envelope because it was a surreal moment. Mm. And um, whenever uh, it, it was, it was dark later on when I'd opened the envelope because I'd been out all day, and I went straight up to the cemetery to speak to my mum and dad. They would have been so proud. Obviously, yeah. I would say looking down you, but they'd have been very, very, aye, very proud. Aye. Uh, it's almost in. So was I because I've never really ticked all the boxes, Sean. Aye. In fact, I've no ticked any boxes. I've I'd say you've ticked a lot of them, mm. intentionally or unintentionally, or whether you wanted to or not. I don't know. I met up with this. Um, my friend is that the under seventeen Italian coach football, and they had a they had a, a, a European tournament up in the Orium up in Edinburgh, mm. and it wasn't publicised like with the SFR, whatever. And it was Scotland, Italy, kind of remember Ireland and Yugoslavia or something. So off I goes, and I hadn't met my. Uh, it was like an, it wasn't really ex teammate. It was something that I played against, and she heard I was back home. She's good with me up, Rose, uh-huh. and I said oh, that'd be great. So after the match, uh, I went onto the pitch, and we were emotional, greeting. I remember this, remember that, and this person, this other uh, kind of older lady. She wasn't a football player, but she's on the town track. So she says. Um, she come up to say hello to me. She says she wants to say hello to you. And I thought, maybe it's an ex-teammate. I'm a bloody nightmare. Can I remember? Blah, blah, blah. And she smiled at me and I realised who it was. And her name is Manuela Dicenta. And the reason I knew her smile is because she, she won the Olympics f- five years in a row. No, five years in a row. Every four years. Aye, aye. Uh, for skiing. All right. So I was always into all my female sport because uh-huh. I knew her through that. And I says, Manuela Dicenta, and she says, Rose Riley. So we swung each other around about. She wanted to meet me, I wanted to meet her, but I didn't realise she was an ambassador. She's an amb- ambassador, a sports ambassador, Olympic ambassador, every ambassador for right. women's sport. And so the Italian Federation had sent her to Scotland. And so we had a chat, just a wee chat, so we're going to keep in touch, meet up and whatever. And uh, she said, what was it like when you ended your career, Rosa? I says, uh, well, I can say the same thing as I said. I said, what about you? Oh, she says, it, it was terrible and whatever. She says, so I just climbed Mount Everest. Oh, as you do. <laughs> and instead of going there in the garden or looking after the aye, grand wains, and so she sent me a photo and she's at the top of Mount Everest and I thought, you're a dancer. This wonderful lady is uh-huh. here in Scotland, they the bloody kinds of her. Aye, aye. So I want to promote other ladies that have yeah. done 
You've things. Always, aye, given so much to sport. It's a great example, isn't it? If you if you feel you've got an insurmountable task, go and literally, you know, climb the most insurmountable thing in the world physically, aye. which is Mount Everest. You, you don't I get know, higher I'll than that. I'll just do that. That's incredible. And then you get a. An honorary degree for the uh, University of West of Scotland. West so of Scotland. You're ticking every single box here. Yeah, and that was an emotional time as well. Um, obviously, because um, the wee lass that gets spelt for school. Hi. <laughs> here she was, um, uh, and I couldn't believe it. And just take that's just reflecting. Uh, take your no, time. it was Elish Angelina that that was presenting me with the honorary degree. She's a Lord degree. Advocate. Yes, and she was uh, she was always promoting for women. Don't know if whatever. I gave her the right um, title there, but she's, Aye, she's very than much that, the top, whatever, top dog the top anyway, in the Scottish And she system. actually knew everything about me more than I knew about myself. She did her research and she was um, she was proud to meet me and I thought, uh, wow, that, that's we, great. What is it you've got on with Annie Lennox coming up? I, you, well, you I, up I, I got on a degree now by Glasgow Caledonian. Wow. Uh, oh, and is she and the like, patrons uh, uh, yeah. is Annie Lennox, mm-hmm. and um, but she she was not there that day. She's not here all the time, obviously. But uh, when she comes, uh, we're, we're, they're going to arrange a meeting with me and Annie Lennox wow. because um, women power and all that. All right. All Watch right. it, you guys. Here's right. Annie and Rose on your path. See, as we round up, so I've got. You know what I said when I said at the start that what fascinates me in a story is the things that are in between the events, yeah. and I feel like hidden within the events or you know the chronological um, timeline of what actually happened is the real story and I always say so I'm impressed with what is the intangible in a person when it comes down to it so I don't care that you're a World Cup winner I don't care that you won two leagues and I say this with a pinch of salt obviously tongue firmly in my cheek I don't mm. care that you won two leagues in two countries I don't care that you won all these league titles um, that you've got your honorary degree that you're mm. in the Scottish Hall mm. of Fame what I'm fascinated by is like the qualities of a person and that's what leaves the biggest impression on me so if I'm talking to somebody I say I don't care what you possess can I have uh-huh. made that point uh, what blows me away is the characteristics and qualities so first of all to have that courage and conviction to to leave your hometown to go into the unknown with absolute bravery and as I say belief in yourself and what you're going to achieve uh, to achieve what a dream that you were told was absolutely impossible mm-hmm. which in terms of by society standards it was impossible because there's n- there's no path you've sidestepped it you've bulldozed through every setback you didn't allow it to derail you or stop you or turn you into a nearly woman I nearly did it but mm-hmm. I could have would have should have but you know you just went and did it you nearly died you were told your career was over at your near pinnacle you've reached that dead end almost literally mm-hmm. of sorts um, you know the universe puts roadblocks in front of you. Mm-hmm. you you've just you've not allowed any of them to, to stop you um, and it's that refusal to be beaten, perseverance and persistence against what is insurmountable odds, or so they seemed. But you've pro- proven that barriers can be broken. You can forge your own path. You forced a path for other people. Rose Riley, it has been the utmost pleasure hearing about you and everything you've done, and you've achieved the impossible dream. I love you, Sean. Leathered was written, recorded and produced by Sean McDonald in association with The Big Light. Music and post-production by Brian McAlpine and for more information, go to thebiglight.com. If you like this podcast, please check out all our other series including Talk Media. You could start a fight in an empty house.
Talking Derry Girls, Brave Your Day, The Tartan Noir Show, Double Scotch, Great Scott, Trust Me I'm a Leader, Unearthed, A Sonic Hug and Old School. All on the Big Light, Scotland's Podcast Network. From the Big Light Studio.